Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Able, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers, clarify your message, and make an impact on the world. This episode is brought to you by the word voice, which has multiple definitions. One, voice is the sound produced in a person's larynx and uttered through the mouth. Two, voice is a particular opinion or attitude expressed. And three, voice is to express something in words, i.e. voice and opinion, which I do all day long. Voice is so it for camera ready and able. So you know how this works. I'm going deep. And in this episode, I'm speaking with award-winning voice actor and voiceover artist, Maria Pendolino. Trained in musical theater, Maria now lends her voice to commercials, animation, video games, corporate and explainer videos, e-learning courses, telephone systems like the New York Public Library, and e-books like mine. Yep. That's right, Maria is the amazing voice of the audiobook version of How to Get Your Foot in the Door, television hosting and presenting. Maria has been proud to represent global brands like Danon, Google, Comcast, Hoover, Pillsbury, and Cheerios, among others. Maria is also known in the voiceover community as a negotiation expert and has presented at conferences and webinars about the importance of quoting what you're worth as an entrepreneur and freelancer. I want to talk about it all. Welcome, Maria. I'm so glad we're doing this. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. And by the way, you're a little modest. I know you did mention something about, you know, award winning in your bio, but you're kind of a big deal. These are fancy <laughs> award shows. Like you get, it's swanky. And there, there are, are like- two that are on my IMDb page. So they are, uh, they are official, IMDb official. So for anyone who's listening who doesn't really know the difference, can you explain the distinction between voice actor and voice over artist? Sure. I think, you know, the the lines are pretty blurred, but voice acting, I think, is really where it lends to the genres like animation and video games and the idea of bringing a character to life off the page. Um, and I think a lot of times people think that, you know, performing voiceover, you know, speaking into a microphone is actually a lot easier than it looks. Um, and then they get into a class or a seminar or something and they realize it is so much more than reading. And actually the acting part of it is really important and being able to, you know, live truthfully, acting is living truthfully in the imaginary circumstances, being able to live in those imaginary circumstances and bring it to life. You know, you don't have the benefit of body language and facial expressions and gestures, and you need to be able to infuse all of that that you would use on camera or on stage, infuse all of those affectations just with your voice. Um, And voiceover artist, I think, is just another category of voice acting. But I tend to, you know, apply that more to some of the industrial categories, like when I'm narrating an e-learning presentation. So as an example, I do uh, corporate training presentations and educational webinars for things like the annual sexual harassment training. And, you know, that material is not particularly interesting, but it's really important. So I have to infuse um, life and wisdom and approachability into these very dense and dry technical scripts, because ultimately it's about people doing their job safely, doing a good job, not getting in trouble. Um, 
all of that kind of stuff. And then, you know, things like the press one, press two telephone systems. Like I didn't even know that that was a thing that you could do as a job. Like I I interacted with all of those things as a as a citizen human in the world prior to embarking on this job. But I never thought about the person behind, you know, when you're screaming representative into the phone and they're like, I'm sorry, I didn't get that. I never thought that that was like a job that you could like pay your mortgage with. But like, here I am, you know, I'll be sitting in my booth, you know, saying, you know, for such and such press one, we're sorry that you're still on hold. Your call is important to us. Uh, you know, we'll be there. In okay, a moment. Wait, 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 wait. I'm totally interrupting. Have you ever found yourself yelling at yourself? I have never found myself yelling at myself, but um, I did the like voicemail and welcome messages and on hold messaging for a local pest control company here in Buffalo. Um, the owner of the company is a fabulous woman that I met at our National Association of Women Business Owners, um, Buffalo Niagara group. And uh, she hired me to do their voicemail. And then I hired her to do my pest control. And I kind of forgot about it. <laughs> and then I called them to reschedule my mosquito service. And it was like, hello, you've reached EcoServe Pest Services. And I was like, Jesus Christ, that's me. I'm talking to myself. <laughs> So there are moments where, like, I am interacting with my voice in the wild, and um, I guess it's a high-class problem that I've done enough voice work that I actually have forgotten some of the things that I've done out there in the universe. Okay, that is so fantastic and kind of meta and all of those things. I think many of us don't realize how important, important our voices are because we'll think, well, I'm not a professional voice actor, voiceover artist. And our voices are so important when we communicate via the phone in all these Zoom calls, in person and presentations and wherever we are. Um, and also in the hosting space and media personality space, which I inhabit, a lot of people miss or gloss over the importance of that because when you're hosting a show or doing a number of things, invariably there's a narration component. And I get, I get brought in a lot to just give pointers because it's, it's sometimes just a small section of a script or, you know, where somebody's doing a package and then you're transitioning. So right away, any, any tips, just the inside track for the kind of non, the semi-pro, that's what I'll consider it. The person who's really an on-camera person who may be 10% of the time finds themselves doing voice copy and has no idea the distinction. Yeah. So I think the first thing is speak to one person instead of a group or a populace. So, you know, if you're doing a package about fashion, like think about the one person in your life who would love to know about this information that you're conveying about fashion. Um, so really being specific about who you're talking to is a great way to make uh, narration sounds more personal, more approachable, and less like um, less like a PowerPoint presentation, you know? Um, another thing to use is the magic of what we call in the voiceover industry, the lead-in. So instead of jumping right into your copy, which might end up make you sounding, you know, more formal or presentational, you could actually do maybe 10 to 15 seconds of having an imaginary conversation with this person that you've chosen and then go into your copy like, oh, my gosh, Barbara, I have to tell you about this new fashion thing. I was just researching it. And I think it's exactly what you were looking for the last time we were at coffee. And now I'm going to tell you all about Ferragamo's new shoes. And, you know, you just kind of like 
ease into it and it breaks that kind of natural presentational rhythm. You might be, you know, attacking the copy too hard at the top, but it gets you into that very conversational and personal space to actually create that fake relationship, fake conversation before you do the copy. Um, I think going through the copy and figuring out, you know, what's most important in that piece of the package. So do you really want to be emphasizing the brand name? Do you really want to be emphasizing um, dates that something is coming out because it's exclusive and there's a time component? Um, Underlining those things in your script and knowing that that's the stuff that you want to punch can be really helpful. And I think the other thing is to just take your time. Um, A lot of times when I am um, you know, on a session or working with someone um, like in a class or something who who's a little bit new to it, um, people end up rushing through it and they're not breathing and they get to the end and it's like, oh, thank God I made it. And it's like, OK, great. So there's your there's your scratch run. Let's take let's go back to the top and um, maybe this time just breathe a little bit. Um, and I think that's also I'm assuming that a lot of this stuff when they're doing the narration is edited. So there's you have the benefit of post like you can stop and take a deep breath. You know, you're not live. uh, You're not being squeezed, you know, to the moment with someone sending it back to the studio. So, you know, read the sentence and then take a breath before you start the next one. And then, you know, take another breath. And then your awesome post editor is going to be able to take out your slightly pregnant pause when they're editing it together with all of the visuals and make your narration just absolutely sing. So I think it's being being kind to yourself, giving yourself a little bit of grace as you're recording it and recognizing that there is an element of you know, personality and polish that's going to come into it. But yeah, uh, think about who you're talking to. Start a little bit of a conversation with them before you jump into the copy. Um, don't forget to breathe. Slow down. You don't have to go as fast as you think you need to go. And uh, have fun. Yeah, that would be my advice. That's fantastic. How long? This is just a really technical question, and then I'll move on. But there's also with people who are new, a misunderstanding that they're, if they're reading five minutes of copy, it's going to take five minutes to record. Yeah. So a good metric to use is a three to one ratio. So if you want to end up with five minutes of edited perfect copy that's ready to go to print, it will take you 15 minutes in the studio to record. So those are all your mistakes, your breaths, stopping to look up a pronunciation of a word, taking a drink of water, all of those things. And then, you know, if you were doing your own editing as well, also we use a ratio of three to one for editing. So if you sit down with 15 minutes of recorded audio, it's going to take you 45 minutes to edit it to get down to your final piece. And that's based on your being experienced. Yeah. So if it's your first time stepping behind the microphone, maybe double that six to one. (laughs) Oh, and can we just talk a minute about vocal warmups? Just like your basics. Yeah, absolutely. So daily, what I usually do is kind of like a singer's vocal health warm up uh, in the shower. So I do it with hot steam. So I will do usually like fifth scales, like and just kind of, you know, uh, uh, use my voice just kind of in a nice mid-tone register, go up and down the scale a few times. Uh, Lip trills are great because they warm up your lips and get your uh, lips and tongue moving. You can do tongue trills as well. Um, But usually I try to vocalize for about, let's say, five to 10 minutes um, in a warm, steamy shower before I jump into the booth and start talking. Uh, Warming down is also really good, like taking some time to 
do some deep breathing at the end of the day and let your voice kind of cool down. Um, staying hydrated is really a key part of being ready to attack the day as someone who's using your vocal instrument. Um, and then also there's something to be said with scheduling, uh, like what you're doing and how you're using your voice. Cause that can be a big part of the warm up too. So I do some radio imaging work, which is like up next on kiss 98.5. And if I do some of like those, um, you know, if it's a station that does like, you know, current top hits, sometimes they want like a little bit sexier, a little bit more gravelier. So I'll schedule that stuff in the morning when I still have a little of that like morning man voice grit kind of at the bottom before my voice gets to be nice, clarion clear. And then if I'm doing things like animation or video games that have um, a little bit more effort and exertion and is a little bit more strenuous. I want to make sure that I'm scheduling that at the end of the day so that I can warm down right after that and let my voice, you know, recover from any aggression I've put on it. Okay, I've never thought about the voice warm down and that makes perfect sense. I want to find out how did you discover the voices that you have? Oh, that's a good question. Um, when I was a kid, I was definitely the kind of person that was like giving voice to like our pets and like inanimate objects. So, you know, I would try to make my brother laugh at the dinner table. So like milk would shoot out of his nose. So I'll like, you know, pick up these like funny accents and like mimic things that I hear. And I've just always really enjoyed that. So, you know, I would get cast, um, you know, I was doing theater, community theater and musical theater and stuff in college, I would get cast as like funny characters. So I would find like weird accents and stuff like that. And then um, with voiceover, it's just been interesting to kind of like translate what people put in specs and like what that actually means. Like, you know, when they ask for like sexy and sultry and, you know, we want someone who sounds like Scarlett Johansson, but we definitely can't afford her. Like, you know, figuring out where that placement is in my voice. How do you figure that out? And I love also you just said that because even on the on-camera side where I work is everybody wants the flavor of the moment, but they don't necessarily know what that means. And there've been times when I've delivered the actual person that they was described in the brief and they were like, well, wait, we didn't really want them. We want like that kind. And the guesswork, the educated guesswork that goes into being successful at your job because you get that kind of a note. And sexy to one person is very different to another person's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Celebrity references are definitely thrown a lot uh, around in casting. And some celebrities do commercials and some of them don't. So like as an example for like the last, I would say five to eight years, folks have referenced John Krasinski's insurance campaign as like a great example of like a very conversational, off-the-cuff delivery. It sounds like the human embodiment of the shrug emoji. So we would see like that commercial referenced all the time. Um, Tina Fey's uh, American Express commercials get referenced. Kristen Bell's Enterprise commercials get referenced. Scarlett Johansson's performance in Her gets referenced. So when I see that... I know that they're not looking for like a dead on celebrity impression. Like they're not looking for like the female Frank Caliendo to like nail like an exact replica, but it's about that ethos. Like Tina Fey is funny. So she's got a little bit of, you know, wry, dry humor, a little bit of a wink, a little bit of a sass to her. Kristen Bell is a little bit perky, a little bit brighter. Scarlett Johansson is a little bit gritty, a little bit lower, a little bit sexy. So it's that kind of, 
you know, personality, you know, sprinkles, if you will. And what I do is I go to YouTube and I find the, you know, commercials that they've done. Another great resource is all of the interviews that they've taped with Jimmy Fallon and Seth Meyers and Samantha Bee and all of these great late night hosts. Because then you find the celebrity at like their most natural approachable ethos because they're telling Jimmy Fallon about like how their dog like ran out of the house with, you know, the baby's clothes or whatever. And they're telling these funny stories and they're not performing and they're not trying. And that's where you can really hear you know, hints and tones of their voice and their color and where they're at their most natural. So you have a free celebrity reference or voice reference MBA waiting for you on YouTube. It's all there for the taking. You can listen and practice. You know, I've actually gone, the Scarlett Johansson one comes up all the time. I think she's probably done like two commercials in her life. She did like a Pepsi Super Bowl commercial and like one other one. So she's not even, there's no commercials for you to like look up and find. But her performance in her with Joaquin Phoenix gets referenced all the time. And I actually like went on YouTube. Somebody had like, you know, uploaded the first 10 minutes of the movie illegally and actually like transcribed her part in like the first three or four minutes of the movie when he's setting up the device with the voice. And then I would like read it along with her and just like try to get that cadence and try to get a little bit of the way that she mutters on some words and emphasizes other ones. And, you know, that's just part of like your ongoing education, like having things in your arsenal, being able to bring that out. And again, do not market myself as a Scarlett Johansson impersonator, but when somebody puts that on a spec, I can kind of drop into myself. I can find that voice. I can find that placement. I can find that cadence and that rhythm. And then, you know, I can go ahead and do my audition. Okay. This is so incredible. So first of all, welcome to Masterclass with Maria Pendolino. You are so (laughs) amazingly generous. I do want to transition in a minute to your incredibly successful career and talk about that. But something you just dropped jumbo gem here was how much work goes into this and the lifelong learning and the the nuanced mastery that goes in. And this is just a, a message I go back to all the time for people who come to me for training, coaching, come to classes, listen to the podcast, because there's a myth or mistaken idea that's like when you reach your level of success, Marie, it's like, well, I'm done. So now somebody just sends me a script and I'm just going to, you know, zoom on in from, you know, the beach, read this for a second and, and go back to, you know, my yacht or my fabulous life. And it doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. And if that is your attitude about it, you will have a career that lasts a year because the trends are constantly changing. Um, The references are constantly changing. Like after the inauguration this year, suddenly Amanda Gorman, Poet Laureate, was listed on every single casting. You know, that wasn't a name that was popping around for a year. So that takes more education, understanding. Um, You need to be watching TV. You need to be watching reality TV because these people get referenced and being aware of what's happening in pop culture. You know, if you want to work in television and film and hosting, you should be watching a ton of it to see what's hitting and what's making money and what's getting renewed. You should be reading Deadline. Like all of these things are part of you being a great business person and being someone who's 
you know, vastly hireable. You know, I've been I've been acting since I was 11 years old. I was that obnoxious child who was auditioning for every community theater performance of The Sound of Music. Um, I feel really, really confident in my acting technique and my acting acumen. But I still take classes. I take workshops with casting directors, with producers, with voice directors, with game developers. I coach regularly with people who work in the different genres. I coach specifically with someone who's a master commercial casting director. I coach with someone who's an animation voice director. I coach and take classes with people who produce and direct video game sets. And it's not just about the networking component. Like, obviously, I want to get in front of some of these people, um, you know, when it's those like, you know, three hour classes or one night opportunity things. Of course, you know, I'm trying to make myself known and get in front of them and use it as a networking tool. But it's also an educational tool. And I also have an arsenal of people that I call on when I want to improve something or maybe I feel like I haven't been getting as many booking and avails in one area. So, you know, I want to shake up my reads and freshen things up a little bit. But nobody's going to tell you to do that. There's no syllabus. There's no checklist where you can go through and be like, okay, and today's the day that I reach out to my commercial coach. You have to build it. You have to design it. You have to do it for yourself. And then all of the free things, like I know that everyone doesn't have unlimited education budgets to pay coaches and take classes and seminars. Of course, you know, budget appropriately for what makes sense for you. But there is so much free information. Go out there and download the 20 podcasts in the industry that you're working in. Go and see what's on YouTube. Obviously, take everything with a grain of salt and make sure you're not taking advice from someone who is a charlatan and trying to sell you something. But there's so much out there. And, you know, there's really if you are passionate about something in the entertainment industry, whether it is being, uh, you know, a performer, a host, a producer, like whatever, whatever it is that you want to do in the entertainment industry, you have to seek out and consume the things in your industry and be aware of what is happening in your industry. If you think that taking one, you know, eight week class and making your demo and your reel and building your website and signing up for your social media accounts, if you think that is the key to your career, you have scratched the surface of the first 1% of what it takes to be a working person in a creative entertainment publicity kind of industry. It is ever evolving. It is changing every day. Uh, as Heidi would say, people are in and people are out. Like you have to be aware of what's happening. Oh, okay. I just loved everything about that. So let's back up a sec and talk about, I have two questions. I'm going to stack my questions, which I tell people never to do, but I'm going to do it. One was, you know, how you took the first step. And two, is there a thing, a moment, a campaign, something that was the ticket that actually propelled you and you went, okay, now I'm getting to the next level? Yeah. So uh, for me, I was in New York. I was working in theater, TV and film. So this was kind of the you know, beginning of the filming in New York Renaissance, Boardwalk Empire, Three Law and Orders, like lots of opportunities for on-camera actors. Um, I was auditioning for anything I could get my hands on, whether that was going in for Broadway equity calls. I was auditioning for theater performed in a barn in New Hampshire for $150 a week. I was going in to read for TV casting directors. I was going in to uh, read for feature film casting directors. And I booked a role on Lifetime's Army Wives, which shot then in Charleston, South Carolina. 
And I was very fortunate that I booked a recurring role and I had my outside dates for my episodes. So I was, you know, holding one week for one episode. Then there was like a two week gap. And then I was holding another week for another episode and another week for another episode. So I couldn't take any other TV jobs that were going to conflict with those dates. I couldn't take any film jobs that would have intersected with those dates. And theater moves very slowly. So I likely wouldn't have booked a theater job in between these other bookings. So I was kind of like, like, what else can I do? Like, I'm locked into this, which is awesome. Very grateful. But like, what else could I do like in between? And somebody suggested to me, like a friend was like, hey, you know, do you have a commercial agent? Because commercials tend to move really quickly. So like you might be able to squeeze something in, you know, in between your outside dates and stuff. So you should check it out. I never thought of myself as a quote unquote commercial type. I am a plus size woman. I've got a nice big Italian booty. And I just never thought of myself as like a person who would be on camera selling things on commercials. So I never really looked into getting a commercial agent. And then I was like, wait a minute, though, voiceover. Interesting. OK, so I signed up for one of those one night seminars at like Actors Connection in New York where, you know, you pay eighty nine dollars or whatever. It's for 20 people. You get to read a piece of copy for a casting director. They, It's in an educational setting. So you get to see everyone read. They give you feedback. You read it again and you move on. So I signed up. There were probably like 20 people in the class. It was with a voiceover casting director in New York. And half of the people there were like, had Googled voiceover like that night and were like stockbrokers and babysitters and whatever. Didn't have any acting experience. They were just kind of like showing up and like, great. Everybody has a right to educational opportunities, but like maybe not ready to read for like a super high powered casting director at that point. And then there were like maybe five or 10 of us who like, actors, like, you know, people who do Broadway, people who do TV, whatever, who were looking like me to add something to their portfolio. So uh, I read like a Verizon spot in this class. And her first comment was like, you have a very sassy read. <laughs> and I was like, I do. Thank you so much. Um, so she gave me some good feedback. I read it again. And then after class, I went up to her and I was like, hey, I really enjoyed class tonight. Like if I wanted to pursue voiceover, you know, more seriously than just this, you know, one night opportunity, what would I do? And she said, you probably need some more training so that you understand, you know, the nuance and the difference between the different genres and blah, 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 blah. So she invited me to take part in a four week class that she taught uh, with another casting director. So I did that. And like one week was TV, one week was radio, one week was partner scripts. And then she invited uh, an agent to come in and give feedback on like the fourth night of the class. And I was just hooked. I just loved it. I loved getting into the booth. I loved playing behind the microphone. And she and her casting partner started calling me in directly to audition for commercials that they were casting. And I was like going into the sign in sheet signing, you know, Maria Pendolino, self under representation and putting my cell phone number in signing alongside you know the abrams the cesds the buckwalds of the world and i got a couple of veil checks on like national commercials and after a while she was like hey you know you've done really well and clearly you know your voice is hitting it's very current it's very trendy we think you should get an agent and she actually made some calls around town for me and helped me get my very first voiceover agent and that was the thing that kind of propelled me into having voiceover be you know, a part of what it meant to be a working actor in New York. I just want to sit with that actually, because one, created opportunity. Two, asked yourself, you did the self-audit and asked yourself out loud, really important questions. You followed up, you asked smart people for help. I hope everyone's taking notes. 
But because I do know you, and we've actually taught a class <laughs> together before, which I learned so much in, by the way, on how to break into non-union voiceover, of which there is a lot of opportunity in ways that people don't realize. And this is my long-winded way to say, there's a lot of opportunity without an agent as well, correct? Absolutely. Um, we are currently living in a voice first world. So everything ta- talks to us, whether it's your telephone, you know, the voice assistants like Siri and Alexa, your refrigerator tells you that you're low on eggs. There is more voice work out there than ever before. And some of it is, you know, the traditional things, you know, what we think of like commercials and animation and video games. But there's an unbelievable amount of industrial work. So, you know, voicing short videos that uh, explain how to use a new software, doing things like corporate training. Um, I do a lot of medical narration. So narrating things about medical devices and new pharmaceuticals that, you know, doctors, nurses and other people watch on their lunch breaks to learn the new things that are coming into their hospital. At the beginning of COVID, there was a huge shift. So things that normally would have been presented like a new employee orientation normally would have been presented by someone in person in a conference room with a tray of stale danishes suddenly can't be done in that conference room. So they were reaching out to voice actors to record webinars that are going to be delivered virtually and over Zoom, phone recordings, political advertising. Uh, You know, last year was a presidential election year. All of these things require voice. And, you know, the the jobs at the very, very tippy top of the pyramid. So your national union commercials, your non-union commercials that are very large, expansive buyouts because of what they cover, uh, your, you know, AAA video games, your class A network animation, all of that at the highest level is absolutely brokered by relationships with agents and managers and casting directors. But the low-hanging fruit the, you know, explainer videos, the how-to stuff, e-learning, corporate narration, the telephone systems. I think my agent would, you know, if I asked them, like, hey, how do I get more telephone work? I think they would be like, uh, what and why? (laughs) It's just not what they do. It's not their bread and butter. Um, And a lot of that work is brokered individually between talent and production company or talent and brand itself. There's a lot of companies where I'm working directly with the brand. There isn't a middle person in the middle who's doing production. They are an employee of a company that has a need for voice. Maybe they're an instructional designer at a company. Maybe they work in the IT department on all of the telephone systems, and they are actually hiring talent directly. It's not a daily part of their existence interacting with talent, but the once every three months they need me, they reach out, I record it, I do all of the audio things that they don't know how to do, and I give them a file that they can just bloop, drop right into whatever it is they do. And my agents would have no idea about that. And that's fine. It's a whole, it's like a whole other world. I'm still doing the same thing. I'm in the booth talking, but the end product and end result is completely able for you. It's out there for you to get on your own. I love that your brain, like your right hemisphere and your left hemisphere are just both spinning, working in sync all the time. So let's get down to what I mentioned in your intro. You are an expert negotiator. Can we mention here your your background in banking? Are we going to gloss over that? The fact that you like I can't like you were freaking successful in that sphere as well. You were a vice president at a global financial institution. Yeah, it's like my 
you know, the 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 thing that most actors, I guess, don't have. Actors get a very bad reputation for being, you know, flaky and creative, but not good with details and not detail oriented and blah, 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 blah. And I just I break the mold, I think, of what people think of as actors. But yes, I when I graduated from college, I took a job in banking with a global bank. And initially I used it just as a way to move to New York City. You know, I needed first, last and security deposit. I needed a full time job really to be able to get down there. And my initial plan was I'm going to work for the bank for a year. I'm going to take classes at Broadway Dance Center and then I'm going to be on Broadway. That was the plan. Uh, That did not happen. I ended up working there for almost 10 years. One of my jobs was opening retail bank branches across the country um, prior to the recession that started in 2008. And uh, I worked in project management and I was managing, you know, uh, project management teams of 40 plus people, employees, contractors and vendors, uh, multi-million dollar uh, build projects all across the country. And, you know, ultimately, when I decided to leave banking and pursue acting full time while I was in banking, I was dabbling. So I was doing things like off, 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 off Broadway that had more schedule flexibility. I was doing, you know, cabarets on nights and weekends and things like that. But I wasn't really like in the circuit, you know, daily auditioning. When I decided I really, really wanted to give acting a go, uh, I left my corporate job behind. But obviously, I took with it my 10 years of project management experience and financial experience. And, and can we interrupt you? You, you, also, you had a plan. I just, yeah. I just, I just want to acknowledge that because you're someone who I admire deeply who successfully did it. And I, I always want to drive home that it's possible, it, you know, dream goal, execution, massive success, but it wasn't spontaneous. You didn't have an emotional outburst and say, that's it. I'm quitting my job. No, you, you were very methodical and you understood, well, you can tell your own story, but I know from talking to you that you understood how much money it's going to cost me to do this. What are the steps I need to take? What's my timeline? Yep. I had a folder on my computer called the grand plan. And in there I had, you know, copies of my resume. I had um, my monthly budget of how much money I thought I needed. I made a list of everyone I had ever met that I could reach out to about, you know, potentially freelancing or working part time. And actually, you know, one of those things I connected with a nonprofit that I had been on the young executive board of while I was working at the bank. And I reached out and I was like, hey, I am thinking about quitting my job. Do you need someone who is wildly overqualified for part-time work to work in a flexible capacity for an hourly wage? And the director of talent was like, "Uh, I just looked at your resume and I can definitely confirm that we do not have anything available for you based on what your salary requirements must be. And I was like, no, 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 no. Uh, can you pay $14 an hour? <laughs> um, so, and that opened up a whole world for me, you know, that was able to provide me some survival money between acting gigs, you know, cause it was someone that I had met along the way. And I just, I, you know, happened to, you know, keep in touch with folks and had a great reputation. And I basically bartered on that human capital in order to, you know, make room for my acting career and taking my, uh, you know, my six-figure bank salary, you know, just saying bye-bye to that and having room to move on from there. So what are the top three tips for the the newbie or the experienced person who's doesn't have your financial acumen and your amazing right brain, left brain stuff going on? What are the three tips to negotiating for yourself? 
Um, so my top three advice for negotiating. Number one, ask the person who wants to hire you if they have a budget or a budget range in mind that you can quote within. Sometimes they will say, no, we don't have a budget in mind. Just give us your number. But sometimes they'll say like, yes, our budget for talent is $1,200. And you can be like, great, that works for me. And you were like, I was ready to say I'd do it for $400 and you would have left $800 on the table. So ask them if they have a budget. Sometimes they'll tell you, no, they don't. And then you'll give a quote and they'll be like, I'm so sorry, that's outside of our budget. It's like, yo, I asked you if you had a budget. Like, help me help you here. Number two, read everything you are asked to sign by production. Do not sign the boilerplate talent releases that their general counsel gave to them and told them that everyone has to sign. Everything is negotiable. Read it. Make sure that you are not auctioning off your firstborn and your ovaries for a $300 sizzle reel, okay? So read what you're asked to sign. If you do not understand something, talk to a peer, have a lawyer that you know on standby who can read something for you. And honestly, a lot of times they don't even know what they're asking for. They downloaded a template that they found on LegalZoom and they're asking you to sign it. So assume best intentions, but do not sign anything until you've read it. And if you don't agree with something, ask them to strike it out. Nine times out of 10, it'll go fine. And uh, three, understand what the job is and what the terms are and what you're being asked to provide before you start doing something. So in the voiceover world, we talk about making sure that we establish what is included in the rate and what is not included in the rate. So, you know, signing up to be a voice talent on a project doesn't mean that you are agreeing to do unlimited revisions until they are happy with something. So make sure you understand and clarify what it is that they're paying for. They are paying for a session with you. They're paying for, you know, a final delivered file. Within that, you'll include, you know, two rounds of revisions to give them the opportunity to go back and forth with their client, whatever it is. But make it clear what is in what you've quoted, what is out of scope of what you've quoted. Make sure you get that in writing. Do it in email. Emails are admissible in court. You can hold people accountable to that. And get a affirmative, a reply, an understanding to what you've stated. And don't do, don't do any work until you're all agreed on what it is that you're doing. Um, I will also say just as an asterisk to that, uh, if you are being offered a job from another freelancer, so someone else who is operating out of a Gmail account, and you can't really establish that they are a business or an entity or something like that. Ask for 50 percent payment up front or full payment up front until they become a client of yours and you have comfort. Um, if you get an inquiry from someone in a foreign country, I think that's also a really good best practice. Um, but do things to uh, protect yourself and you can. You can certainly assume best intentions, but I think a lot of times actors and creatives are afraid to speak up and afraid to ask questions because it'll make you look difficult. And this definitely happens with women because we're socialized to be super agreeable, but it'll make you look difficult if you ask a question. It'll make you look difficult if you push back on a term that you don't understand in the release. And you have to get rid of that type of attitude. You are the only person who's looking out for you. You are the CEO of yourself, the CEO of your business. No one else is going to protect you. 
ask the questions, push back on things that you're not comfortable with. And ultimately, if they don't agree to that stuff, that is not a client you want because it is certainly just a red flag of bad things to come. But do not be afraid to stand up for yourself and advocate for yourself. Uh, I believe that the clients that are worth having will be agreeable to negotiation along the way. One of the things I love about a podcast is you can stop and listen to this over and over and over again. And you just gave, once again, such an incredible masterclass. Wow. So you're also sharing incredible, generous information on other platforms. So um, where else can people find you? Where should people be tuning in? Because you do share a lot of generous info. Yeah, absolutely. I'm most active on Instagram. So you can follow me there at Maria Pendo. And I've done uh, videos uh, about uh, voiceover specifically and some negotiation. Um, I'm also a very active member of the Voice Actors of New York City Facebook community. And they do some in-person events in the non-COVID times. But uh, there's a ton of people who are members of that group that do not physically live in New York City. So if you have an interest in voiceover, it's a great, friendly Facebook group to join. It's a Facebook group where newbie questions are not immediately shot down. And I think people do a pretty good job of keeping egos to the side. Um, So I serve as a group expert in that uh, Facebook group and will frequently answer people's questions about, you know, where the best resources are to find good information on rates and things like that. And then I teach and present at conferences occasionally, you know, doing my best to balance, you know, between my actual career as a voice actor and my, you know, burgeoning career as a, you know, speaker slash motivator on specific things. I do offer some basic voiceover business coaching and some basic negotiation coaching. It is very limited availability because I sync it with my calendar, but I have that up on a Calendly account. So you can go to calendly.com slash voice by Maria to see if I have any slots open at a time that you're looking for. I do have a TikTok <laughs> where I've been trying to share funny stories about voiceover and also my uh, dating life, which could be an entire other podcast. So you can find me there. And then every once in a while, I'll drop some gems on Twitter, too. Oh, you are so fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been really fun. And as always, so informative. And I want to thank you for listening to Camera Ready and Able. If you'd like to improve your communication skills right now, go to my website, ableintermedia.com, and download my free 12 tips for success on camera. From Zoom calls to the Today Show, results guaranteed. And please be sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. And please tell your friends about the podcast. Mm-hmm.